is Dramatic Travels. Yo out there, my friend, Aaron here, and welcome to episode number 29 of Dramatic Travels Family. My guest today is Dr. Mark Wade. Dr. Mark joined me all the way from his home in Puerto Rico, and we had a great chat, and it's coming up right after this quick 35-second word from our nonprofit partner, Flight. Flight is a nonprofit organization that empowers students in underserved communities through transformative travel experiences. I believe in flight because I believe that every student deserves a chance to expand his or her global education, regardless of where they come from or how much money they have. I encourage you to visit DramaticTravels.com flight. There you'll find links to join the flight community and donate to this fantastic organization. That address again is DramaticTravels.com flight. Light. Dramatic Travels family, it's time to chat with today's guest. He is joining us all the way from Puerto Rico, which is a territory in the United States. A little bit of knowledge, just in case somehow you missed that. Uh, his name is Dr. Mark Wade. Mark, thanks for joining us on Dramatic Travels family. Are you ready to share your Dramatic Travels? Hey, Aaron, I am pumped to be here. I love travel. Let's jump into this. Heck yeah. So Dr. Mark has traveled to 38 of the 50 states and more than 30 countries. He's also lived in Italy, in Croatia, the island of Sardinia, and now Puerto Rico. Uh, Dr. Mark has two, count them, two doctorates. Uh, He went from a brick and mortar clinic to a multi-million dollar online education business. And he also created uh, a top rate podcast, a sold out mastermind for entrepreneurs and uh, a virtual summits software company. Dr. Mark, that's a heck of a bio. Take us us through that and just tell us a little bit more about your world, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that was a bit of a mouthful. It's funny actually hearing that, that back, but yeah. And I will have to say, none of that would have happened if it was not for travel. Uh, that actually, the, I would say the the initiation or the start of my professional career, which happened after my first doctorate, started when I uh, left the U.S., when I moved to um, Italy. But travel's always kind of been a part of my world. And with that, um, online business and essentially where I've gone professionally has been um, – has been around that to allow me to travel. It's allowed to be a part of my lifestyle. I travel regularly, some for work, some for pleasure, um, and extended amounts for pleasure as well. And I, I kind of choose where I want to live based off of that. None of that would be possible uh, without the businesses. Yeah, location independence is a beautiful thing, sir. There's a quote on your website, and it's in just giant font that fills the entire screen. So I assume that means it's an important quote. It says, quote, I realized that if I died tomorrow, the world would continue as normal and I would eventually be forgotten. You take us in and dive in that quote a bit and tell us what that means to you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have military uh, in my background. I I actually fought in the war over in Iraq back um, decades ago. And while I was there, I kind of had a kind of come to Jesus moment, if you will, or or at least a a, a moment that changed the trajectory of my life. At that point, I was I was 20. So I was still relatively young and kind of considered or thought the entire world revolved around me up to that point. Uh, When I was over in 
uh, Iraq, I started, you know, of course I had a lot of friends, a lot of family, everybody was sending packages and letters. And I, I still felt like really loved, like, you know, nobody's world could possibly go on without me. Uh, but a little bit over time, I started to get less packages, less letters, less, th less phone calls, things like that. And it eventually hit me. Um, I started realizing that all my friends, all my family members, you know, they loved me and they missed me. But their lives were still continuing on as normal. They were still going grocery shopping. They were still going out to the movies. They were still getting together. Like, and that's when it kind of struck me. Like, if I died today, the world would move on without me. And I hadn't done anything to leave a legacy or or to leave something behind that was going to benefit the world after I'd left. And so I kind of made a commitment to myself right then and there, if I was to make it home safely, uh, that I would dedicate my life to leaving a positive legacy, a positive impact on the world that would live on after me, essentially, that I would help people and I would uh, positively influence people and create things that would live on and and create positive impacts in the world. And I feel that's kind of what I've done. And and if you people that know me closely, uh, they they would describe my personality as a little bit intense. And I like to say I, I follow a, a vision with voraciousness, voraciousness. Um, and that's because I feel like I'm dedicated to fulfilling that kind of uh, pact or that agreement that I made with myself back then. And so that's where the leaving a legacy started. And now every day I, I go about my day working towards leaving a positive legacy. Well, good. Well, let's leave that, that, or let's take that point in time and just kind of use that as an anchor for this conversation. First, let's go back in time before that moment and just the mindset you have prior to that. Let's go back to kind of your childhood and how that mindset that developed and, and the moments that led up to to that sort of coming to Jesus moment and also kind of weave in how travel played a part in that, if any. Yeah, well, I would say, you know, growing up, I was I was loved. I had a good childhood. I was um, had relatively successful experiences, both in sports and academics. Uh, I always knew that I wanted to go into the health field, fields. I had uh, I wanted to be a doctor and that, that had been on my mind since I was six. So everything I had done through that path uh, was leading in that direction. So I guess in a way I was a little naive leading up to this thinking that, you know, that bad things could happen. I guess maybe I was a little bit sheltered as well. And I hadn't really kind of considered um, how, br how brief life could be until that. And that, you know, even leaving a legacy was important that it, that it would even matter, you know, once you were gone and it's not until you're kind of faced with those, those moments and those decisions. Um, as far as travel's concerned, I, I, I had a relatively sheltered life from that in the sense of uh, my family did not travel much. I, I grew up with a, a handicapped a sibling, my sister. And so that kind of prevented us from being able to, to do many things as far as traveling. It was, it was a little bit more complex, which maybe is, put, is why I built up this urge to travel once it finally, once I was finally kind of exposed to it or, or started started dealing with that or started tasting that it kind of opened a can of worms that has never never been sealed up to that point well it's certainly never too late to find that inspiration and that's one of the one of the main themes of this podcast is just spreading that message that inspiration really can come from anywhere and from anyone and well speaking of anyone can you take us through if if it's not too raw for you 
some of the those experiences growing up with a, a special needs sibling? That's very unique, and it sounds like it had a, a clear impact on your childhood. Oh, absolutely, and this is this is why I love doing podcasts like this. I've I've actually never talked publicly on any platform about this, so this is really uh, this is a first for me, and and it, and it, I love being kind of challenged and talking about these raw situations, as you just mentioned. Um, it was definitely difficult. I will say, I I definitely connect and feel for other people that I see that are uh, you know that have special needs children or in their family, because there was a lot of things we just couldn't do. Um, there, she uh, she was had a mental handicap, and essentially. What ended up happening um, is that she, her mind never developed. So she stayed as a essentially around a three month or four month old mindset, even though her body continued to grow. So, you know, in the younger years, it wasn't as difficult, you know, as she was littler and things like that. But still, anywhere we would go, uh, we'd have to have a wheelchair, wheelchair in and out of a uh, vehicle. And also, you know, as a, a child's mindset, she would essentially kind of act out or, you know, make noises and, and gestures or, you know, act movements or things that are just out of the norm. And when you're out in public or things like that, of course, people, it's interesting to people. I wouldn't even say people are doing it out of disrespect or anything like that. But, you know, when you're in those moments or those situations, you feel the eyes on you. And as she grew and became bigger and uh, more, more aged, it was more difficult to get her around. So it was just one of those situations where it was more difficult to travel, like to load up the vehicle anywhere we would need to go. We'd need to make sure there was handicap accessibility. It's just the things that most of us think about, like even myself now on a daily basis, the things we just think about doing, like, you know, last night uh, I, I hopped in my truck and went up the street to Cold Stone and got some ice cream just because I had a little bit of a sweet tooth going on. And it, you know, it took me 10 minutes total to go do that. Back in those that situation, we would have never done it. It would have been an hour to an hour half uh, kind of production to get everything ready, to get it loaded, and then to move. So you can you really just illustrated the point why travel really really just wasn't a practical part of your life. Like you said, going down the street to Coldstone would have been an adventure and you know, take going, getting on a plane, taking a road trip, anything like that might've just been, I don't want to say impossible, but, but extremely, extremely challenging for any family. Even if you do have the means to, to provide all the, the equipment and the caretakers, that's a, that's really just a unique struggle that so few people have experienced in this life. And you're one of those, those people. So Marcus, this is an older or a younger sister. This is younger. I'm the eldest in the family. Okay, I was because I was kind of curious, like what, at what point you, as a child, realized that that your sister was was different in some way. I'd have to say, you know, I, it would have been more in my probably junior high. You know, once you start to get into the age where appearances matter and you start to worry what other people think. You know, when you're in in middle school and below or below for the most point, you know, you think the world's just a perfect place and everybody has good intentions and everybody's happy, which is unfortunately, unfortunate. We can't live like that forever. Uh, but I'd say it was probably once I got into my teenage years when people would ask, you know, and then that's when I would start to recognize, well, they're asking because she's different. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's really interesting. And just Knowing growing up, if when you're inside the household, I can just imagine that that's normal to you and you never knew any different, really. 
but then like once like you said once the the world starts to open up especially with school and then you maybe start to kind of get the message that this is not the way everybody lives and that's just so unique and just I was t- thinking earlier too and you're talking about people looking and staring and I think about my own kids who are 5 and 2 and it's very natural for them to their eyes to be drawn to people who look different or act different and then the adults in their life in this case me you know don't stare it's not polite I want to come up with a better way to do that because I feel like that just kind of creates a bigger problem of just pointing out these people there's something different about these people that you know we kind of need to I don't I don't even know how to describe it but I just feel like as parents we take kind of the innocent their the children's innocence in staring and just being curious and turning that into to a bad thing or some sort of taboo. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think you you've got a great point there. I haven't put much thought into that, but as you're saying, it is definitely um I think, you know, when we're when we say don't do that, like they instantly think, okay, I shouldn't do it, must be wrong. When it's not wrong, it's just out of consideration of other people's, you know, feelings or privacy or whatnot. Uh yeah, I agree. I think that could be a, an interesting experiment to figure out what would be a a, a ideal or best practice scenario. And my wife is a, is a therapist and she works with, with children. And I, I talked to her about that. And she, her suggestion was if, you know, if the, if one of our kids sees something that draws their curiosity to approach the person and say, sir, ma'am, may I ask you a question? You know, what happened, what happened to your arm or say, for example, or why, why are you in a wheelchair? And just asking very politely. And she said, typically, the typical response is very kind coming from the other person. And then it also teaches the child that it's okay to be curious and that and it also humanizes them as opposed to saying, you know, staring from a distance, like someone's in a zoo. And hmm. that's it. But at the same time, as a parent, you know, I, if I find that very challenging, I haven't, um, I haven't gotten the nerve to actually do that yet. So I'm hoping that I can tra- really challenge and push myself to, to do that the next time the opportunity presents itself. So Dr. Mark, so growing up, you said, you know, there's not much travel in your life, but then you hit a point as an adult where that mindset changed and travel became a big part of your life and is now really just a part of the fabric of who you are as a person. Can you describe that, that transformation and when it happened? Yeah, you know, thinking on it even more, uh, more, more closely and in, in, in further detail, I, I would say it actually started out as a gradual uh, kind of g- gradual. I don't want to say addiction, but a gradual need or enjoyment um, without even recognizing it. Because, of course, in sports, when I was on, uh, you know, I was varsity wrestling, varsity football, you know, we would do little we would be traveling, especially in the off season for wrestling. I traveled statewide regularly to different wrestling camps and things like that. And it was interesting. I never really looked at it as pleasure because we were going for training and it was quite difficult. But then as soon as I got out of school or even like there in the last couple couple years uh, in, in high school, you know, I traveled. I remember my first big travel, my first big trip was with a group of friends down to Florida. We drove down there for spring break and it was just amazing and we loved it and enjoyed it. And, you know, I didn't even consider the fact that I was enjoying the travel at that point. It was just, you know, seeing something new and different and having a good time. And then, of course, through college, I traveled more statewide, like not necessarily like uh, interstate, you know, we would travel to go see things nearby or go do things uh, near us, you know, like whether it was a float trip or a camping trip or, or something like that. And that just, that interest grew for me. And, and I would even say going into college, that was a, a need for me. I wanted to go, I didn't go out of state, but I wanted to go away from where I was at just because I wanted to go see something new and different. 
And then from college, that I think it would it just got heightened. Um, I remember when I did go into my doctorate program, I was traveling two to three times a quarter minimum uh, for different uh, extracurricular activities that I was a part of. I was a part of the world. Uh, one of the things, actually, this is, this is probably what really this is actually what uh, gave me even the idea or the awareness that I could even do this to travel, you know, outside of the U.S. for work was I, one of those extracurricular activities I was a part, I was a delegate for our our school called the World Congress of Chiropractic Students. So uh, we did, we went to different countries and we met with entire, like it was an entire Congress, delegates from, you know, more than 36 schools, you know, worldwide were all there. And that's really what opened my mind up to being able to, after graduating, going to a different country to work. Uh, so it, it would, it would, I would have to say it kind of gradually built until it became almost one of those things that I enjoyed so much that I regularly planned it. Uh, in my first doctorate program, I definitely was a part of extracurricular activities that allowed me to travel to different parts of, you know, the country. We would go up to Washington, D.C. once a year and lobby on Capitol Hill. You know, we would, <clears throat> I was a part of a, a, a volleyball team that would travel a couple times a year to different states for, for, tournaments and things like that. So I think it kind of developed until I finally, if I had to give it like a, a kind of like the, the bucket, the, the bucket tippy moment would be that being a part of this world Congress that allowed me to see and meet other people in different countries and realize, you know, there's like almost like I've been living in a little bit of a, a box or with blinders. Like I can go anywhere in the world. I don't have to just stay in my state or even my country. Well, and that's a great point to share because I know that's a, there's a lot of reasons people choose not to travel. You know, yours, yours is just one of, you know, of many millions of reasons why parents might choose not to travel with their kids or people might not choose to have travel be a part of their life. But through this podcast, you know, I just want to share, I love sharing the power, that transformational power of travel and also just knowing that that inspiration truly can come from anywhere and from anyone, as long as you're constantly seeking and improving yourself incrementally day after day and you're you're seeking those new experiences, new opportunities, that that inspiration is likely going to come. And for you, it came in a major way to the point where you actually lived, you chose to actually leave the United States and live overseas. So when did that happen? Yeah. So shortly, um, almost immediately, I'd say within six months of graduating with the first doctorate, I decided to move to Italy. Um, it was more of a you know, like, let's just go over there. I, I went with a partner and, you know, it was going to be like a two year kind of trip and it was not supposed to be a permanent uh, situation, but it kind of became, I enjoyed it so much and I loved it so much. And it gave me the opportunity to even travel more essentially, you know, one to two weekends a month we were traveling, you know, whether it was just throughout different parts of Italy or when you're in Europe, everything's, you know, a two hour flight away and they have these very low cost airlines. So it made it very practical and easy to get anywhere in Europe, um, which kind of continued to that need for and desire to travel. Um, so essentially every year it was kind of one of those things, well, uh, you know, I'll go back next year and then I'll go back next year. And then essentially over six years later, I'm like, okay, you know, my, for my businesses, it became a need where I needed to get back closer to the United States. And that's kind of where I finally had to almost reluctantly uh, leave Europe. And I still, I miss it. I still go back regularly. And, you know, at some point I do believe I'll probably end up back over there somewhere. 
Well, that's awesome. So you talked about that, you know, that tipping point moment when you kind of became the inspirational, passionate traveler that you are today. Can you point to a specific moment or like a defining moment in those travels, in those traveling years that, that really changed you, something that really stuck with you? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, in when I, once I was in Italy, this is a little bit later. Um, the thing that really kind of solidified it for me is the seeing the different cultures. It, it just becomes, it, it changes who you are as a person. I mean, I've, I've had conversations with friends, um, who are also travelers about this, where it's like when you grow up you're in a way, and it's not to say it's a bad thing, but you're kind of sheltered. Uh, you only know, like your reality is only what you see and interact with. And a lot of times, most of us only interact and are around things that we are comfortable with, things that um, fit our belief systems and, uh, you know, reinforce our thoughts, you know, what and those type of things. And we, we don't often challenge ourselves by being around people with different viewpoints or or things that are different than than what we believe or that we're used to. Even if we go back, you know, what we're talking about when you see other people that look different, you know, a lot of we're, the, the more you're around things like that, the more normal it becomes. Um, and when I was traveling uh, throughout Europe, I constantly saw different cultures. I met diff- people with had very different beliefs and, and thoughts than me. And what you actually learn is everyone and everything matters. Like we're, we're not really different. We may have a different opinion on things, but on the very bare basic or, you know, like human level, we're, we're all the same. And, and you can actually learn to not let those different beliefs or thoughts uh, d- distract you or even separate you from just enjoying the moment and the people you're around. So I really feel like it expanded my mind. It expanded uh, who I am as a person, just from being exper- uh, being around these different cultures and the and, and different uh, different histories and seeing things that I never ever would have had I been you know had I not traveled. And I often think, and when I do go back home, you know, I meet with you know some of my friends who I grew up with, who we were inseparable gr- growing up. And a lot of them, you know, they've never left, they've never left our hometown. They may have traveled some, many of them haven't, many of them have never even left the state. And it, it, it kind of blows my mind on how much they're potentially missing out on because they, they've never been able to do that. Do you have those conversations with them and, and sharing your stories and seeing any potential for them to, to, to kind of break out? Well, I mean, I share my stories when asked, I, I, I never like to, uh, like position it like I'm coming from I'm, I'm the intelligent one and let me tell you what you should do I mean of course we all talk and they were friends on Facebook and Instagram and they see what I do and where I'm at and many of them say you know oh I wish I could do that and I'm like you're right there you just got to take the first step well that's, that's you're a great friend to to provide that encouragement but also to recognize that you know we're not kind of really put on this earth to, to preach to people and say, you know, do this. It's the right thing to do because I'm doing it. You're just you know, sharing your stories and your experiences. And it sounds like you're, you're there for them if they, if they need you and they're ready to take that, that next step, which I love. So just, we're not going to dive too deep into what you do professionally, but let's just say you've had considerable success over the years, you know, from the educational standpoint. And then of course, professionally, tell me about how travel and how that perspective that you talked about you, that you gained from traveling and living overseas, how has that helped you in your business? 
Well, one being open, being open and relatable to people is, is, is a good start for sure. Uh, I'd also say actually the, the connection. So one of my core values, and this goes along with uh, business, but your net worth depends on your network. So that's one of my core values as far as uh, like where my business standpoint is. So traveling allowed me to constantly meet new and interesting people. And the reason I say that is because the, the bigger your network is, the more people you've met and the more people you interact with and have relationships with, it all comes down to relationships, right? So the more people you have relationships with, and this is, you know, whether it's friendship professionally or what, whatever, um, it allows you to, to learn, to gather knowledge from them, but also it allows for more opportunities. Uh, we see that on a regular basis. Um, when, you know, if somebody needs something, they reach out to their network and say, Hey, you know, either I'm looking for a job or I'm looking for, you know, a photographer, I'm looking for a good restaurant, whatever. Now just imagine if your network and those relationships were times 10 or times a hundred or a thousand, how many more potential opportunities would you have? So me, when I traveled, I typically traveled both for work. So I traveled quite a bit either to consume knowledge or I was teaching. So I was giving knowledge and, or just per, just for pure pleasure, just for vacation or whatnot. But I always tacked that on whether it was professional or not, but I always tried to meet people. So when I was there, I'd reach out, you know, back when my network was small, I'd reach out to them and say, Hey, does anybody know an interesting person in this city or this country that I should meet? And then over time that became a bigger and bigger network. So I would say that in that way, traveling has greatly impacted me because there's o- there's almost nowhere in the in the country or in the world that I can't can't go and not know at least one person around that area. How cool is that? You touched on you know just talking about the network and then but there's just that there's one key element that I think we all need and we can all access very easily if we seek it and it's just a a community of of like minded individuals and just keeping it fo- keeping the focus on travel here. You know, say if you live in that hometown or you're surrounded by that group of friends that just has no interest in in travel, but you're that one person who does and you're trying to sort of break out of that shell, but you live in this hometown surrounded by non-like-minded people, you know, you need to seek out externally. And in 2018, you know, it's real easy to connect with social media with like-minded people who can support you on whatever journey it is you're on. There's a group out there, there's a community that can support you and how how just how important that is to build that community and then build that network and like you said, then start leveraging it to 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 consistently up your game and just become a better traveler, go more places and once you feel that support and you start to build that confidence, you start you know, taking more trips, longer trips, more interesting, more exotic trips, and to start checking off that bucket list one at a time, the way the way you have, Doctor Mark. And I love I love that you hit on that that point of community and networking because I think it's really important in business and just in, in your personal life to to connect with like minded folks. Well, and I, if I could jump in there and also add to that with what you just said, the bucket list, how important that is. Um, they've actually done a, a studies on this. And people who have a dream or a hope or a goal that they're striving for, and they they talk about this in families, for example, uh, families that even uh, have like a vision board that, you know, we don't know when, but one day we're going to travel to Europe together. And then they talk about it and they're like, oh, can you imagine what it'll be like when we're in Italy, you know, having a glass? 
glass of wine in Rome. And even if they never accomplish that dream or goal, just the constant or continuing of, of hope and aspiration for that provides more success, both in a relationship. It, it, they, they've seen lower divorce rates in couples that have that kind of ongoing vision or dream, and they see higher success from people that have those type of goals or aspirations, even if they never accomplish it. So having that bucket list is not just a fun thing to do. It's also beneficial for your health and your success. Well, that is a very, very specific and measurable benefit of, of travel and of visualizing those, those goals, being able to keep your marriage together. That's huge. I think, I think that's something that anyone would strive for, at least on their wedding day is to, to, to do everything they can to keep that relationship together and visualizing those dreams, especially those travel dreams. That's a very, very specific and measurable tactic that we can all use to, to have stronger relationships. Huge takeaway. And I've ne- never heard anyone mention that on this show before. So I'm glad that we got that out there. Love to hear about that. So Mark, what are you doing when you're, when you're not traveling? What are you doing to, to keep your, you know, keep that bucket list moving and think about travel? How do you keep travel top of mind? Well, I always have the next trip planned or in the process. So that's one. I have my calendar stays pretty full with travel, but even in the slower months, I always know what's coming. So I'm always thinking about it, which is, which is fun. Um, two, uh, not even necessarily travel related, like in my free time, just what I enjoy doing is at least once a day, I hop in my pool, take in some of the Puerto Rican sun, reflect on what I've done and where I'm going. So that's, that keeps it top of mind, but I'm always also like, because of the importance of network to me, I'm reaching out to people, uh, both talking about like, you know, setting up like a, a future travel together when I'm going to be coming there, when they're going to be coming here, kind of along that same lines of what I was just talking about, about keeping that bucket list moving. Cause I also feel for myself, I'm happier, more productive and, and just have a better quality of life when I have things plan that I'm looking forward to, even if it's not in the immediate or near future, just things that I can be looking to. So I'm always kind of trying to look at what my next, um, both for me, it's more like business-based where I can travel that includes the business, but also to go see friends and family. You talk to me, tell me about some of those interactions you talked about with, you know, with, with your online communities and, and talking about planning trips. What are those, what are those interactions like and what are your relationships like with the, the individuals in those networks? Well, I think it strengthens them for one. So anytime I reach out to a friend, uh, uh, for example, I have a, a pretty good friend that I've never gone and visited who lives in Nashville. Nashville's, you know, surprisingly enough, uh, is a place I've never actually gone and visited. Um, and it's on my bucket list as a place to see, you know. So once a, a week or a couple times a month, I'll reach out and be like, you know, I'm still thinking about Nashville. And then she'll tell me about a special or something that's going on that week in, in Nashville. Nashville, which, you know, just encourage or, or excites me even more to go see it. I'll look up some stuff about it and we'll share things back and forth. It just, it, it keeps like, in a way it almost keeps you young too. It keeps you excited. You like, you don't lose that sense of curiosity and excitement that we see so often <clears throat> and admire in children. So, uh, it definitely strengthens my interactions when I'm reaching out to people. Also, I do it a lot of times with past relationships, people that I haven't spoken 
been to in a while. I just, you know, how's it going? I'm, I want to get back over there to Copenhagen and come visit you. Or, you know, I'm really looking forward to getting back to Amsterdam. We need to, we need to see when we can do that next year. And it just kind of reopens those conversations and those relationships as well. Well, it's, it's cool to know that these people you're talking to are, are serious too, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of people you run into day to day, or at least in my experience who, you know, they have these big thoughts, but then when you, you finally press them like, Hey man, let's, let's get this thing scheduled. Then it's like, Oh man, I can't, I can't, I'm busy. And then this stuff never happens. But when you find those people, even if it's just a, a small group of people who, you know, are serious, who, you know, when you start talking about a trip that this thing is going to actually happen, that's huge. I have a, a small group of friends that I know I can count on for at least one or two solid trips every year and they're serious and they're like-minded and it's a huge, it's a game changer for me. I feel very fortunate to have those people in my immediate circle. I mean, there's people that live in my town. I see them all the time, but if, if you don't have those people, then you gotta, gotta reach out and there's plenty of online communities that can help you, can help you do that. I remember uh, I saw Rick Steve speak at an event back in uh, February in San Francisco and he talked about travel being a, a fountain of youth for him. And the guy's in his mid sixties and he looks, he looks far younger than that. And he talked about just be, that curiosity that you spoke of and, you know, that constant moving forward and that, that lust and that constant curiosity helps keep you young. So it really drove home that point. And uh, if you're looking for that fountain of youth, get out there and travel, my friends. So Dr. Mark, let's talk about Let's talk about your your platform, what you do for a living, because that you know that location independence is is super cool. It's not something maybe that everybody aspires to, but you can't you can't, I can't really think of any downsides to location independence. Talk about your business a little bit and how you grew that location independence. Yeah, so I started out um, in a brick and mortar business. I had a practice uh, originally, and that practice did did well. But I've always been, again, back to that leaving a legacy. I've been inspired and on a mission to help more people. And I knew that I'd only be able to help so many people just in the four walls of my clinic. And so I began looking for options and opportunities to help more people. And that's when I kind of came into my realm or my reality, the online business opportunity. Um, and I began an online business. Uh, it's called the American Posture Institute. And so uh, we had originally had people reaching out to us asking, you know, how did you, you know, how did you build what you built? We had a pretty successful clinic. And so we started looking at helping other people. And so that online business allowed me to be able to help more professionals who could then go help more of their patients. And so it kind of felt, it filled my narrative and my need to be able to help impact and serve more people. Um, and apparently it did well because within the first year it became the number one online, you know, postgraduate online posture, uh, education platform in the world. And that, you know, essentially gave me the opportunity to expand it, expand my resources and my network. And it also became a, a very busy thing to take, to keep up with. So I ended up letting the clinic go and focusing a hundred percent on the online business and that, as it grew and became the 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 industry empire that it is, opened up more opportunities. And in the ways that I used to build that business, opened up other opportunities to help other people do very similar things. And so, essentially, I, I don't like to sit still. I, I really like to help and stay moving forward and, and and challenging myself as well. So, I mean, at this point, I have uh, five real businesses and a few things that are still on the table trying to get off the ground uh, just to keep things going, ways I can serve and impact the world. Serve and impact the world. I love that. 
Dr. Mark, where, where can people go to find out more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me on Instagram. My personal brand is Hustle and Scale. I help entrepreneurs scale their side hustles and build a build a engaged audience while becoming the influencers. And then of course I'm I'm on Facebook as well over at Hustle and Scale. And if you're more interested in to in the healthcare side of things, I do have uh, my Facebook page, the American Posture Institute. Great, Dr. Mark, of course. And all this, all this, of course, my friends, is going to be up at DramaticTravels.com. You can check out all the links from this show and learn more about Dr. Mark. Fascinating, fascinating gentleman. Really enjoyed talking to you. Before we say goodbye, Dr. Mark, share with us, please, your biggest travel dream that hasn't come true yet. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm still looking forward to going through uh, Asia, specifically over in the Philippines. Uh, my aunt is Filipino, and I've seen amazing pictures. I'm a big scuba diver. I, I enjoy it so much. And they've got some of the best scuba diving over there uh, that I have yet to to do. And so that is my that's one of the top things on my bucket list. Well, I uh, got no doubt that you're going to get there, but please stay in touch and let us know when you do so we can uh, know that you're checking another item off your bucket list. Dr. Mark Wade, it's been a huge pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on Dramatic Travels Family. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Hope you enjoyed my chat with Dr. Mark as much as I did, my friend. Notes for this episode are over at DramaticTravels.com slash 29. All right, my friend, we'll see you next week. And remember, your emotional memories are your most powerful memories. So please put some emotion in your emotion. <laughs>